Welcome to the Nola Row Experience Podcast. Raw, honest, relatable experiences that help us grow. Are you subscribed? If not, what are you waiting for? Go! And please, leave a review and help us grow while you're at it. Thank you. On today's episode, the Honorable Dr. Simona Brooms, the SOA Q&A, and of course, today's Happy Habit. Hi, how are you? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Listen, I am grateful, excited, and super happy that we're going to get to sit down and have this conversation because I think as Guyanese women, this is overdue. I'm proud to be a Guyanese woman. You guys know every opportunity I get to talk about Guyana, I do. It's near and dear. So when I get to connect with someone from my homeland who is doing phenomenal things, I'm ecstatic. That's how I'm doing. That was to answer your question, how I'm doing. <laughs> I like that. I'm honored too to sit with you. I really love young people. I have a passion for young people. And so when I walk into this young, fabulous, brilliant young woman, I mean, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I'm curious because how you think, how you operate, you know, I am just... I'm excited and, and then thinking what's going through this young mind, what is she's going to ask me today here, right? And the cameras are on, but I bless you, bless you, and I'm proud of what you do too. I appreciate too. that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. You just gave me the highest honor. When I see women, I love women of a certain age. That's probably my favorite group because yeah. especially when you're like, I'm fabulous. Mm -hmm. I'm intelligent, mm -hmm. I'm smart, I'm getting things done, mm -hmm. and I am doing it out loud. I love that. And you're here with this outfit, the hair. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's like all fabulousness. And um, what's even more exciting is that there's a story behind all of this, right? There was a journey that brought you here, and we're going to get into that. Wow. And you know what? This is so purposeful. I've never really, you know, sit down before and, and really like go through. You talk about my journey. Um, I always try to, you know, brush that one one side. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of emotional, kind of, you know. Don't but, worry. I'm not going to yeah. dig too deep in your business now. We're, <laughs> we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it comfortable. Um, yes. But why I like stories about experiences that help people grow is because you inspire people who feel like I'm alone. I don't know if there's anyone else out there who can relate to what I'm going through. Therefore, I'm afraid to talk about it. And a lot of times when we don't talk about things and when we don't open up and we're not transparent, it's like a closed mouth doesn't get fed. You don't get feedback. You don't get the support and help that you need. So essentially what we would want to do with these conversations on the Nola Row Experience podcast is inspire people to just be free. It happened. Yeah. yeah. You know, you had the experience. Yeah. We're not judging you. This is a judgment-free zone. But one of the most compelling things that I've learned about you is a little bit of your early years, your beginning years right and how education or lack of lack of affected you and propelled you on this journey so let's get a little bit into what was happening with you at age let's say eight nine in guyana you're a very intelligent woman so i'm thinking <laughs> I'm thinking education was, you know, was float, there, yeah. was floating, was still your hand reach. And um, no, it was not. Um, some, I mean, you're talking like 40 something years ago. Um, at that time, Bartica was not, uh, by the way, Bartica, let me say, is in the Cooperative Republic of Guyana. It was a village at that time. Uh, my parents were not Guyanese. I came from a 
big family, 15 children, one mother, one father, all raised in the no same way. Home. Are you at the top, bottom, or in the I'm middle? I'm just at the bottom of it. Are you, are you yeah, the youngest? I am the youngest. Oh, man. Uh, in, in the sand. And, um, but, you know, growing up while I was the youngest, there's not a sister. She was a little bit more puny than I was. And, and even me, I would really treat her as if she was the youngest. <laughs> All right? But um, it, was, it was difficult for me. And I think around that time, I got the biggest impact in my life that um, really started my journey. Because sometimes, you know, when we go through things, we're so hurt. But those are the things to me that we can use to propel us of where we go, to, to motivate, you know, and not to really, you know, feel sorry for yourself and sad because then it really stops you. Because things are so happening for you. Things are happening for you. Yes. I mean, it's weird, right? right? I didn't know at eight years old that it was happening for me. Mm. I, I was sad. I was I was hurt. I was I was like, why me? Mm. You know, because you just couldn't understand it then. But you also want to have a blissful life. You don't want to yeah. be suffering. Yep. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, I never lived at that age even where it was shown, but it was there. Mm. It was there, but I was always outgoing. Yeah. Never liked to see advantage, and I was really smart at school then, and you know, smart, get into preppy, mm -hmm. skip class. Mm -hmm. Brush to prep made it in those days, if you know okay. what I mean. Into primary one, skip primary one. So you were the, killing it. The, I was I was beating the books. <laughs> and you know what? It was my passion. Mm -hmm. I really take things. Anything I do, I take it Seriously, serious, yeah. you know. I give it my best shot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I tell my children about that. Maybe that's why they're wrapping up masters and PhD 20-something. I love it. <laughs> I was killing the books. Um, and, you know, when the day... Um, the results of Common Entrance came. The school, everybody was awaiting the so results. So Common Entrance, for the people who don't know, yeah. is an exam that takes you from, is it primary school? From primary. Okay, from grade school to... Secondary. Okay, to We've high school. Elementary, oh, high school here. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, when the results came, my own did not show up. So my mom was home because my dad wasn't there. So and everyone got their scores. Everybody got their scores. But your scores didn't come. But I'm waiting and then the head teacher put me out the line and said, come to the office, go call your mom. By that time, I mean, I'm, I'm blazing down going for my mom. And when my mom get there, she said, they get some problems. The results is not in. Um, but she, mom will have to go to the Ministry of Education at that time in Bartico. So is that like Department of Education? The Department okay, of Education within the region. And mm -hmm. so she went there and they said, listen, you have to go to Georgetown. The big to city. QC to the big city. Mm -hmm. Now, my mom not seen the city. We not seen the city. Mm -hmm. I mean, I only know QC because they said QC. Mm -hmm. And my mom said, what was QC? And they said, um, Queen's College. Right. Um, I didn't even know that time it was a school because they said there's... They deal with the exam stuff. Okay. Um, so that went on and, and mom couldn't leave. Remember I just mentioned to you, 15 children. I was the last. Right. And she was awaiting my father. He my was a contractor goodness. working at UMRP. My father really worked. My mom worked hard. And um, by the time my dad came, school opened. And when school opened, it just said, so all right. this is the next term again. This is the next so term. So we went through the whole summer. Not knowing what's next. Everybody, you know, my friends talking about their school uniform and the, their boots and, and the bag. And you don't know what's happening with I don't know. All my siblings ready and, and the clothes on the hang of mm. school. But, and I don't know. And then my mom went back about a week before school opened. And said, listen, the time they had a community high school. Mm -hmm. They're going to place me there until that come. And then, you know, we can sort out. And I was saying, but why you place me in the secondary school and sort out? Why you put right. me at the bottom of the ladder? Mm. You know, like I'm the smartest one like, here and like, we all know it. <laughs> like, you know, but that was fine. By the time my dad came, I was excited and um, said, listen, um, the time these papers file away and have a particular time that you can come to get that. So you missed the deadline. So I missed the deadline. I missed the deadline. Oh, this is just going way left. And um, this is not getting better at all because mm -hmm. every time I come close to hope, Mm -hmm. You know that. Listen, it's gonna work for me. Yeah, you understand what I mean. It just keep pushing back forward, and um, 
I was there in this ministry said they can get somebody to come and do this exam. And this was like, I don't know what, taking forever. Yeah, I'm sure you were oh, super and by, anxious. By, by the time that I said, listen, I'm never going to read. Mm. I'm never going to write again. And I would sit there in the class and talk to everybody. And the teacher's trying to get my attention. But I just know exactly what the teacher's talking about. So wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> So you were in the class refusing to do the work? Yeah, I just sit down. I waiting for I waiting for time for the exam. Because then you're like, I'm gonna ace this and show I, you. I, I gotta show you. Don't, okay. don't waste my time. I'm mm. I'm gonna show you. That's okay. And I wait for the exam and ace it. Wow. And it was this headmaster, he said, he said, Listen, you don't belong here. I get that. And and I gotta fight for you. Yeah. And I was like, wow. I never forget this headmaster. I love that. He said, I gotta fight for you. We gotta get you out of here. And I don't know what he did, but by two weeks' time, they came in and gave me an exam. Well, five people came from Georgetown. For you. For me. Ace that and get out of the region. They said my score is above. Bartica Secondary okay. School. So, I know I'm Guyanese, right? But I'm not always familiar with where everything is located. <laughs> I'm thinking Bartica is very far yes. from the city. Yes. Is it? It is. It's like about two hours or so? Well, it could be more. You got to take a boat an hour, and then you take a car from Parika, um, the time bus, like an hour, hour and a half, because roads and so on was not like So that. how are you getting to the secondary school? Well, you got to find place in Georgetown and family and and, and housing and all of that. So, okay, so you moved. No, that was not an option. I couldn't move. Where There was no way that I You didn't I could, travel two hours every day for school. No, I could not attend the school that I really earned. I, I just had to then accept what... Or where that you know was best where it was. So what I'm hearing so far is somebody who knows of their potential, but access is standing in the way of that. This has to be an emotional burden. Outside of progressing educationally mm -hmm. or progressing socially yeah. this has yeah. to be something way bigger that's happening yeah. on the inside so yeah. you're sad probably right well um i think i've moved past um sad it, it is there it, it hurts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it has transformed into knowing that somebody needs my voice mm -hmm. so at, at, so you know we're, we jumped a few years yeah. And now you're an alchemist. You're like, I'm going to take that pain and I'm going to turn it into something else. I turn it into something else. And what did you turn it into? I said, listen, I'm going to be a millionaire. I said, 20 okay. years old, I'm going to own my own house. I can have and I can have to give because I'm going to show that, listen, I am not a good for nothing. Mm. And if the system that is designed believe that I'm going to go down, nope. And Bardica was the gateway to the interior mining town. So the interior and is more of the inner the part bush. of Guyana. We call yeah, it the bush, we right? We call it the bush but it's in really, the desert. If you are flying over Guyana, you see the dense trees yes. and stuff like that. What yes. you, you can't see what's happening down there. But that's where everybody goes. You said mining gold. To, to make money. Everybody comes out. Mm -hmm. um, well, a lot of people, people come out with malaria, right? Yeah. A lot of you come out dead. <laughs> I mean, um, a, a lot, lot of people, people I see out. a lot of people die, so a right. lot of people don't come out. Mm. Um, but before I get there, you know, um, while I was going through the phase of common entrance, I said, listen, I'm going to pass. I'm going to go to the university, but I'm going to go to the best university. And the time for me in the world was the United States. That was crazy, right, back then. And um, I learned some time after that there's this university when I ask later down, I still keep asking, you know, gone into mining, but I'm still finding out where and what is the name of the best university in the United States of America. And I was told Harvard. Harvard. I was told Harvard. So you are in the belly of Guyana. Yeah. Mining gold. Oh, God. And studying and Harvard. And thinking of Harvard. <laughs> Thank you. 
Listen. Thank you. Crazy, you're right? Different. It's different. I, I listen. <laughs> and it's okay. I like when people are different. Mm -hmm. I know I'm different. I accept I'm different. Mm -hmm. I know I have purpose. Mm -hmm. so, so that's okay. With purpose, you're different. Oh, you understand what I mean? With purpose <gasps> makes you different. And, and so that is okay. Okay. So. So. This is already a phenomenal thing happening, even though you at that time were not sitting physically sitting in Harvard. Yeah. You have this inner ecosystem and this inner yeah. spirit yeah. that's already setting you up. Yeah. Yeah. For an, a phenomenal life, inspirational life, Without right? even knowing. Without understanding what you're doing. Oh. So it's not like somebody said to you, hey, this is how you need to think. This is what you need to do. This, no. this is how you're going to do it. None of that. You were already like this. None of that. I, I just, you know, and to make money in those days and to get rich, I said, listen, I'm going to be a miner. And, um... I love nature. I am not scared of tigers. I'm not scared of snakes. I'm not scared of walking for two days and two nights. I did all of that, um, sinking some of the worst rapids um, in Guyana from Masruni to Cayuni to Potaro River. I understand the constituency. I find my husband there. Uh, we get married with boat miners and we traveled um, together. What have is your kids. mining gold like? Uh, what is happening when you're mining gold? And I, you know what? This might sound a little bit ignorant, but I have to be honest with you. I don't think I ever heard of women mining gold. Well, yes, until the Women Miners Foundation organization, I'm coming to that. But I started off with digging holes, spinning a bottle in a small pool of water. What's a bottle? A bottle is something you spin to put stuff. Oh, the and round. And you're round, oh, okay. right? You got to know how to spin it. I've seen it on TV. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and you're looking for a couple of eyes. Right. And then and you get like a couple. strainer type of yes, thing. Yes, okay. you get to see a couple of eyes and you put it in a little container and you see another couple of eyes and, and you try to muster that with a little quick silver. So when you see that actual gold, that's exhilarating. Man, exactly. It sounds like you need a movie. Well, you know, my daughter always said to me I should do a book. This is a movie. Because I'm, I'm trying to fast track. Because I want to see this yeah. big belly and yeah. in this truck. And yeah. I heard you say, I heard you mention um, surviving and yeah. protecting your life. Yeah. So outside of the pathological, maybe the mosquitoes or other things that are in the ground, yeah. right? Other than those things, are you also in danger because maybe this is a competitive industry and maybe people are actively trying to take each other out back then again in the sector you always had to defend yourself outside of if you're in a camp with six persons that you've never seen before sometime in your life most times the only person in the camp i know is my husband it was animals it was tiger it was deers it was snakes so you're vulnerable. The mere fact that you're there. Men were vulnerable. I, as a woman, were more vulnerable than the men. Um, because, you know, people always see you as the softer prey. And so, you know, they would come around. So I maintain certain lines. Language, I never allow people, the men, to talk to me certain how. I never carried myself in a particular way. You know, I maintain a posture. And of course, anybody, you know, crossed the line, I had to have a particular posture also. Okay. Um, so that you understand that there are certain lines that you wouldn't cross. When in Rome, so, we behave um, like Romans. Exactly, <laughs> you know. And so I'm saying that because, you know, sometimes women feel that, like you're in a position and you have to be a certain way or, or do something different. You mean succumb to exactly other people to other people, and, and they're you feel taking advantage exactly. of you. Exactly, you when you're vulnerable, them. how do we operate? Maybe you might have a viewer listening after to say, "But how did you manage that?" Well, I also believe for some women who are in situations like that, when people assume you're the vulnerable one, right, mm -hmm. and they 
test the waters mm -hmm. to see how yes. far they can get with you. Definitely. I do believe that some women kind of, they're a little bit more submissive, maybe yeah. because some men don't like it when you challenge them. They don't like it when you say, listen, I'm not going to let you do whatever it is that you want to do for your own pleasure or whatever. And that might put you in physical danger. So I'm sure that has happened too, where you're like, listen, don't come at me like that. And then men would push back even harder. Well, um, it did happen. Even with trafficking, it did happen. But like I said, I just got to defend my life. Okay, so trafficking. So I got oh, to defend my life. I'm going to tell you this quick thing. We, as you know, run a Guyanese Caribbean restaurant in Brooklyn. And we happened to be in a, an area where a movie was being shot. The movie makers came in and said, hey, can we shoot in the restaurant? So we had to go through the whole thing with giving them permission. I asked them, what is the movie about? They said, sex trafficking in Guyana. <laughs> And I was flabbergasted because I don't know why I decided this on my own for no good reason. Sex trafficking doesn't happen in Guyana. Yeah. Well, um, actually, they were right and you were wrong. Trafficking in person exists all over the world. Mm -hmm. In 2013, I think it was speech of the Secretary of State then, John Kerry, that said that if wherever trafficking has taken place, they would have had a trauma, then we'd had a trauma throughout the world. But as it relates to Guyana, um, again, the experience, the exposure in mining, I saw the exploitation um, of women. I thought then in the earlier, it was just an abuse. It was advantage. It was women who want, it was young girls, but you know, it was always, young girls, now I'm old, I can say children. Um, so so one time there was this story I, I, in Mazaruni with a young girl. Okay, so, may I interrupt for a second? My apologies. I kind of want to paint a clearer picture for how being a gold miner intersects with human trafficking. So you're mining gold, you're just doing your business, and do you start to notice, hey, we're here for gold, but I'm also noticing these girls around. Is yeah. that kind of how that happened? Well, what really happened, they used to bring these girls to pleasure of the men because you remember you're there for a long time. Mm. It is desperate. So they used to throw up these shacks and put like polins and they would call them kaimu. Okay, and they got like alcohol, tents. like tents, mm -hmm. and they got alcohol, and they would bring these girls there mm -hmm. for pleasure of the men. But at first, you you're saying, listen, they can do better. They want to come, you know. Um, sometimes you see men taking them to camps. Um, I, I was always against those that type of posture, mm -hmm. and I want to say for the podcast and for the world, I never had a shop in the interior. I, Simona Brooms, Simona Charles Brooms, never had a shop, never sell alcohol in the interior. So what exactly um, is a shop? And and in those days, um, a shop, you know, you had shop, it sells supplies. Got it. Like fuel, rice, flour, sugar. Got it. In the earlier days, my parents had a shop that sell fuel, rice, um, fittings for dredges because it was far. Okay, so to sustain the to mining sustain and the, the miners. miners gotcha. And the miners, okay. exactly. But my sister, but I, Simona, I never had a shop. Got it. Or ever involved in alcohol and, and bringing women for entertainment. I always recognized and I had a distaste for it. Because men will beat women. You, you don't have to do them anything. Everybody would be there and they look on and you know, it was it was so rough. And then I sometimes find myself having my husband getting involved because I jump in when I see something like that. Like, why you got to hit you? And you know what I mean? And I, I'm ready to defend. And um, while it was not safe, um, I just could. It was so bad. It was so bad. And um, 
Again, that experience I formed again with my women's organization. I saw the exploitation of women. I saw where women work really hard and get all the business and all of that. And because it was male dominated, they get a husband or they go and get a partner. And then they push them out of that business and rob them of everything. Mm. And, and the women just left like that. Nobody, no lawyer, no court, nobody pays attention wow. um, to you. And so that also really troubled me. So in 2013, I formed again Women Miners Organization, 2012. Ghana Women Miners Organization okay. um, to advocate um, for the rights of women exploitation, the environment, how it was treated, um, opportunity when women, you know, get older, you don't have somebody just robbing you and, and you're home and can't take the journey anymore. Mm -hmm. And you pay people, of course, men, even women, and they're running a business and you can't make it through the trail. Then they rob you of everything. I've seen that. Right. Women lost millions upon millions. Some women die suffering mm -hmm. um, because of that. And so I formed the organization to bring about a difference. And you said something earlier. At that time, the U.S. Embassy... Canadian embassy um, never recognized or knew that women actually had their own operation mm -hmm. and um, their own mining properties mm -hmm. and things like that. They just thought that women were supporting their husband. Mm. And women were afraid or ashamed to say, listen, I am a minor. Because once you said you're going to the bush, you're labeled as a prostitute. So that stigma was, was there. She's a bottoman, you know. Um, she, she's a prostitute. And it is after the formation of the Guyana Women Miners Organization, and I sent letters to them, we wrote them, had meetings, and then they really get a, a real understanding. At that time, the head of the IMO said, listen, I apologize. I thought it was women, um, you know, just running around. We couldn't sit on the board at the GGMC and we fought tooth and nail just to sit there. It was completely male dominated, policy level, everything. We were never catered for. But the Ganway Miners Organization, I wouldn't say break ceilings and glass. We tear down those mountains and walls. <laughs> we don't break ceilings and walls. I love it. And I, we and I, tear down, we speak to them and move out to the way. I love that because you know? those women needed that, yeah. right? Those women yeah. needed a voice. Yes. And I'm, I'm curious about a little bit more about what was happening with those women. I don't know a whole lot about trafficking. <coughs> and I'm curious to know how, well, you don't have to give a number, but would you say that majority of trafficking involves kidnapping? Well, most, and I've rescued 50-something that was on record from my funk organization that I rescued personally. And um, a lot of it was kidnapping, and a lot of it, they were lured. And so it's the same kidnapping at the end of the day because... Another form of it. 50-something, they never knew we be going there, you're going for a job, I'm going to pay you well. Excuse me, you don't have to pay a rent. But they don't you know, know what the job is? is it's that a beautiful, you you're going to sell, I have a store. Um, and you're going to go, we sell clothes, we sell food stuff. I'll pay you $300,000 a month. Or $300,000, 1500 US in Guyana in those days, um, even 2013. I mean, you're talking like, this is the only how I'm going to own my own home. All right? And most times the traffickers or the pimps... They come over really nice. And sometimes they have people working with them. Charming. They have women recruiting. Let me tell yeah. you something. So don't judge to say they should have known. They could not. It was know-how. And so fast-tracking, you know, with the organization, formed the organization, um, attended conference. Women were empowered. Listen, women proud to say, I am a female minor. Mm -hmm. And once you say you wear that T-shirt, and you're from the Ghana Women Miners Organization. Not even the system wants to come with you because mm -hmm. leadership is at its best. Mm -hmm. We were respected. Um, mines officer had to listen. You couldn't rob us anymore mm -hmm. because I was always out there. So I understand the mining regulation and the act. So what they could not have done to me, they could not have done to them also. Right. All right. We get to sit 
at the seat of the board to make decisions at the policy level. Absolutely. Um, we rescued 50-something women. And the organization I was awarded as a tip heroine by the Secretary of State mm -hmm. in 2013. And I said, we did it together because I had a tip what unit. What is tip? Um, trafficking in person. Okay, so, so the you, short were, you got an award. Yes. For 2013. Tip heroin. Tip um, okay. at, From the Secretary of State, John Kerry, under the Obama's administration. Beautiful. And um, fast tracking from that. Um, jumped into what was happening in Ghana, you know, get involved into the politics and history, you know, you just Google, you find it. Um, I think, again, that experience. But before I get into today, I want to say to somebody out there somewhere in the world that at talk about what happened at eight and nine, did not know what it was preparing me for. Why God allowed it? God allowed it because now people know Simona Charles Brooms as no nonsense, as kind, as a mother, as someone who fights for people, the rights of people, equality, respecting the elderly, people with disability, um, and so many different things. But I believe, I know, I don't believe, it was from those days. And I did attend Harvard University. I have a certificate. <laughs> On the wall. Okay, from, from so you Harvard. went from imagining Harvard. Yeah, yeah. To sitting. To sitting in the classroom. In Harvard. Listen. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Let me tell you. And when I signed up for the program, this executive program on climate change at Harvard, mm -hmm. at that time, I, I don't remember anything. Mm -hmm. So when I get to Washington with my daughter, my daughter said, Mommy, but you're going to Harvard. Because that time my daughter was going to Howard. Mm, Howard and Harvard, I love Howard. It. She was doing a double major in chemistry and biology down there. And she said, Mommy, but wait, God is amazing. It was always your desire you to didn't go even realize. to Harvard, Mommy. God has came through for you. I'm like, what is she? And she's reminding me because my kids know the story. Mm. And so I went to Harvard. Yeah. And I was sitting in the classroom and I look at the screen and I got my, my Harvard bag on me and, and um, I said, Lord, I thank you. I went to the canteen. Cafeteria. The cafeteria, sorry. <laughs> in Guyana, you know, we say canteen. I went to the cafeteria. And if you see me in this cafeteria with all these students from Harvard. And at that time, I was a student You traveled Harvard. a long way. I traveled yeah, a long to way. To get there. To get there. Mm. And um, again, you see how it... Full circle. Full circle. I might not have gone there when I said I want to go there. I didn't tell the Lord whether it's a degree or a PhD. But everything I asked him for, in spite of the ruckus, it came through so Beautiful. far. So I've been to Harvard. So, and here I am now out of office um, as a minister of government. Never plan, never want to get into dream about getting into politics or anything. Yeah. But while I was in office, um, I formed a foundation because getting into office again with my minus organization, my brain challenge organization that I formed and all of that, I did the constitution and it says non-political, non-for-profit. Mm -hmm. And I could not have stepped on the constitution that was written by my hands. Absolutely. So I give up the headship of that, that organization. I get that. You understand? Yeah. And um, and I moved on okay. um, into politics there. Just get shy and read and know. Just listen. I can't even give you that part, how I get into office. Never. I was on the campaign trail. Guyana was going down a bad path more than crime and everything. And I said, listen, I have a voice and I got to use it for this nation. Mm -hmm. And I'm going out there and fight for this nation. Okay. And I did that. But I wanted to go back to business when I'm done. Mm -hmm. And nine in the night, I received a call that I was asked to by the president to be a part of his cabinet. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying like, no. What, what is cabinet? What are you talking about? Granger? Granger. Okay. And they said, come tomorrow at such and such time. I said, because I need to find out more. And when I get there the next day, it was cameras and lights all over the room. And everybody was seated. And I received a seat, uh, you know, I was seated. And then 
I notice everybody before me, they come and they give them this document and they're taking oaths. And then they give me my own and I stood up and I read and I took the oath. And you're like, what, what, like, what just happened? I'm like, what just happened? So <laughs> at that time I'm smiling and everything, but after I run to the minister state and I said, what, 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 what does it mean really for me? Um, and I just mentioned that to say, you know, again, purpose. Everything that you have gone through, the system, you see, you, you looked at it, how it failed you as a child, how it has failed many people, how it is unfair, how it is wicked. It is not designed that one can reach to their fullest. It is just for a few. And getting into office, I visit all the prisons and I talk to the prisoners and I learned about the advantage and I learned the systems more. It was then open to me. And um, I serve, I took oath to serve the people. I formed a foundation in 2016 while sitting in office because um, I love people and regardless, the Brooms, the Brooms Foundation. foundation okay. um, and while I was sitting as a minister, I try not to do a lot. Okay. Um, because I didn't, I was not looking for any conflict. What do you mean by you try not to do a um, lot? Because I... You try to stay within parameters? I try to stay. And I didn't take fun, fun, funding from anybody or anything. Okay. Removed from any scandal. My my reputation, my integrity okay. goes beyond any dollar cent. Okay. And even after doing the work of the foundation, it is only now a few persons I would really receive anything from any big donation or anything. I put persons directly. Okay. Um, in touch um, with the foundation. So now um, we deal with young men and women mm -hmm. um, after prison, finding the way back into society. Um, we mentor them. Okay. Um, we do have two that um, we're working with right now. Mm -hmm. A young boy who's motherless and fatherless, mm -hmm. find himself in the system, mm -hmm. no evidence or anything. Bail him out. He's on bail, going through the system, was remanded um, for months with no evidence, anything at all. And two days before I get up here, we bailed him out. Um, so he's there. And now we're going to go through mentoring him. My daughter, when she was in Ghana and working, she would take out 10% um, of her salary every month and place it in an account for him. Okay. Um, because the Broom Foundation is about myself and my children okay. and my grandchild. So everybody got to pool their resources. Okay. Um, you're working or you're doing a business, you got to put money there. Okay. All right. Um, and so so that is what we do. Um, as a family, we have Stacy. She's very helpful. She's like a daughter to me. I adopted okay. her. She's in Washington. Amanda is helpful. Tyler, you know. And, and, and so you have a there. nice, strong team. So we have it. There's a team. Okay. There's a team. Um, nobody get paid with we we all got something in common. Everybody's it's the heart. volunteering is volunteering. Doing the good work. Yes. And so we, we deal with that. Young girls, you know, got raped. Um, having babies, doing baby shower, getting stuff for them to, to okay. go to the hospital. The elderly we give hampers. Um right now we're rebuilding is not the first home. Well, we're building this one from scratch, but we did re repair um homes before for the elderly mm -hmm. um, who don't have children, mm -hmm. women house were caught in fire, mm -hmm. supply with materials um, okay. to rebuild. So all types of um, adversity. All sorts of things. Whatever SBA people are going camps, through. laptops, children in You're school. Supporting them. That is a big area for me. I I'm love that. Passionate. The schools in my community, you know, people say it's depressed community. I really work with them. Um, I remember walking into a PTA meeting and they were saying none of the children are not ready um, for CXC. They will not be able to do CXC it. CXC is another exam. It's another exam. Mm -hmm. Similar situation. Right. Nobody knows. Sitting at the back. So you can relate. Sitting at the back and the teachers are saying and the parents are saying, so nothing can be done. And they said nothing can be done because of time. I stepped forward and I said something can be done. Mm -hmm. I am going to find the resources at my home. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get computer. I'm going to get teachers. We're going to complete all the SBAs mm -hmm. that is outstanding. Okay. But they're going to do it. And we did it together. And um, now we have immigration officers and all of that. So we do a lot of work. People with disability, 
um, not only in the short term, ensure that they get the public assistance, um, wheelchairs, um, walkers. Um, there's a guy with one leg and his crutches, we were going to put a prostate leg. Um, he's, he's scared, did all the measurements and everything, but he's scared to walk on it. So, mm. you know, but it's a lot um, and for the show, but again and again, it is the things that we look at sometimes as the negative to destroy us, mm -hmm. that can bring the best out of us. Mm -hmm. that, that today I can sit down and say, hey, in spite of that, you know, I was a minister of government. I persevered. I, I was a minister within a ministry of natural resources mining. Mm -hmm. I was able to craft policies, mm -hmm. um, the syndicate initiative, bringing men and women to work together to curb exploitation and bring that respect and all of mm -hmm. that. Bring all the miners together, women miners syndicate and the larger miners which are the men together. I had that opportunity Beautiful. and I did it because I believe that all is needed is equal opportunity. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're um, providing that. You're, you're giving definitely, people definitely. who typically wouldn't have definitely. a chance a to chance. tap into the world. Yes. You know? Yes. So where can people find you They'll, and support you? Definitely. I have um, my Facebook page. H-O-N, on me for honorable, H-O-N, Simona Brooms, mm -hmm. same as my um, TikTok, same mm -hmm. as my Instagram. Um, and then again, I do have a phone number for that organization, which is 592-645-1821. Mm -hmm. um, you can reach me on, on that number too. Yes, and very soon you will find me on um, Simona Brooms Foundation. I met a brilliant young man. I got this website for so long all the information <laughs> and i don't know what to do so the website is updating and coming it's soon. updated and coming soon listen god has been doing a lot on this trip mm -hmm. connecting me with people like you listen this is this is this Synergy. is just a, a blower <laughs> for me yeah you know because sitting down here i was staying in Ghana, and i had a few persons but i didn't get that feeling to do um you know these sit downs right. with live audience right. and yeah. so on and so listen you don't know what is going on. Things I are evolving, evolving. And the brilliant guy behind the camera doing all the work here. <laughs> We're doing the talking, but listen, we you must shout always... shout out to we, our producer. We, we shout, got out to shout out to the producer. Listen to me. I don't think... This is my producer. The only producer. Um, I know they got a lot of producers. I love but, you, but, listen, but you can't no. steal my producer. I, I will no, fight I'm, I'm for him. I'm not going to steal. I'm just, I just saying <laughs> or you're borrowing the qualities. You okay. know? And then I could... I mean, I'm not here. So I would borrow him a few phone calls, a okay, little WhatsApp cool. now and then. How, yeah, how about fine. that? Yeah. All right, good, good. You that's see? That's fine. I like that. <laughs> all right. So that was amazing. Thank you so much Thank for all for that you do. Me. We need you. Thank you. Thank we you. need you. Thank you. So we are going to switch gears and jump into our second segment, which is the SOA Q&A, where our producer, Shot of Adrenaline, will ask us introspective questions that we have to answer. But I feel like that conversation was so deep and heavy. Mm -hmm. I need to breathe. Like I need to take yeah. a deep breath. Yeah. So let's stand up. Do we stand up? Mm -hmm. I'm good here. Do you want to stand? No, like you said, take a break. Yeah. If I could stand up just to, because me, it was deep indeed. I'm just going to yeah. take a, a deep breath. breath. So if I could make two wishes for Guyana, um, what would they be? One of the um, one of the things that definitely hurts my heart the most is, and this is you know colonization, um, capitalism. It exists everywhere, but when it's happening in your home, it hits different, and. To witness a country so rich in resources and just so beautiful and to know that the people who live there, the people who actually work, the citizens who get up every single day and do the real work 
are not the ones who benefit from those resources the most. To watch, you know, um, outside people come in and just take my wish would be for the people of Guyana, the people who live there, the people who do the work to actually reap the benefits and flourish, right? That's uh, wish number one. Um, wish number two, my second wish for Guyana is for me to be there. <laughs> what the future of Guyana looks like to the world. I believe to the world, it looks fabulous, it looks great, it looks wealthy, but that is not the truth. The truth is, with all the resources, for me who live there, and for a lot of Guyanese, it is hopeless right now. What does a day in my life in Guyana look like? Wake up in the morning, I do my meditation, I pray. I have access to fresh fruit. I eat my fresh fruit after I fast. I, I like to fast in the mornings. And uh, I have a nice cup of lemongrass tea. I do my stretches and one of the things that I love about living in the older houses that have uh, zinc um, for the roof is when it rains. That sound, it's, oh my gosh, so soothing, it's beautiful. But a day in the life would be waking up and just immersing myself in wellness and definitely family. I love that in Guyana, everybody's just connecting with each other. Uh, it's not something that does not really happen here in New York. People don't just show up at your house and <laughs> hang out and, and eat. Um, you do have to make an announcement. Hey, I'm coming over in two weeks at this time, right? In Guyana, people just show up. People just knock on your door early in the morning, seven o'clock, right? Morning, we all doing? And then they're in there and we're eating and we're conversing. And there's something so beautiful about that part of the culture that I miss and love because I see people disconnecting from each other because of social media and, and, and technology. So just to witness and be a part of still connecting with people interpersonally, that is probably the longest answer to that question, but I can go on and on and on about seeing myself back home. Where have been my favorite place in the globe to travel and why? St. Lucia. Because my parents are from there. Um, growing up, I never had um, a cousin or an aunt. So when you go to St. Lucia and you meet your, your aunt and your uncle and your cousins and you all resemble and you embrace each other and, and you go to the beach and, and swim and and you know we talk the language that they talk and we share that um you know back in the days in Guyana, people used to say what oh, they talk which is broken french and so i have some of my cousins so when we speak together um we and they understand i mean it, it's such joy it's such joy um meeting with my grandmother my father mother and my mother mom the mother of my mom for the first time listen I think, I think those were the best days and the best part of the world I've traveled. Um, it's St. Lucia. Yeah, I love the mountains and, and the bus going around and the sulfur spring and oh my gosh, <laughs> some nice food and, and boiled provision and how to do this peas and, and the chicken juicy. Oh, why did he ask that question? Because now I'm convinced oh, I'm going God. to St. Lucia. Now listen, and, 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 and St. Lucia is it. I, listen, I travel a lot. U.S., Canada, this, that, China, Australia, Chile, all over. Um, a lot of places. Uh, Jamaica, I love Jamaica, Trinidad, name it, Barbados. But listen, nothing beats St. Lucia. Nothing. Right now we're talking about St. Lucia and I just want to go to St. Lucia. Me too. I love my cousins. I love meeting with them. I just love hugging them up and 
and I am so loving it. I don't even call him by names. I say, Cousin Sharon, Cousin Gaffer, <laughs> Cousin this, you know. I'm so Cousin Cousin. Yeah. And um, they're, they're nice, man. They, they, they're warm. And uh, we miss that. So when yeah. I'm there, I miss that in my life. As a child, as an adult, just just miss that. Yeah, I you get know? that. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, just miss that. And and this sweet, this sweet. So Saint Lucia said. Okay, so for this segment, which is the happy habit segment, we are going to go into uh, a habit that you practice either daily or sporadically that brings you joy. <laughs> well, the first habit that really um, because. Praying and loving God become like a habit. It's something fun. It's something, something I love doing and listening to music. I love to pray. I told you that I right? knew and, <laughs> what um, you were going to say. I that was is right. it. Oh, you were right. Yes. You were. But then, and, and you know, the other thing is I love helping people. You know, when people in a situation and um, they receive that help, especially when there's a need and you make that impact. There's something about that that really brings a peace and a joy that it, it even becomes a habit. You keep saying so, the word purpose. Purpose. Yeah. Because it's different to just go there and do something for different reasons. A lot of people, you know, does things because I want somebody said this, I want to be famous. Clout. I want to make a Facebook for clout, you know, and fake. Mm. Um, I'm a humanitarian and take people money for rob people and, and mm -hmm. look after the self and all of mm -hmm. that. It is different when you know that you're going out there to do purpose because purpose, God says it, you know, the poor, the real widow, the motherless, the fatherless. And so for me, I say the word purpose because I think my guidance from the Bible and, and there's no apology, there's no joke to this. And so I know that is purpose. And the people feel it too when you, know? you impact them that way. Thank you yes. so much. Thank you too. It's it, a pleasure yeah. being here. Thank you. I think this podcast is wonderful. I can't wait for the episode um, to, to, to see, but to share. I want to share the great works and what you're doing here Thank for young you. people, the producer young, yourself being Guyanese. Um, you know, him born American, but coming from Jamaican family and all of that. And just that blend here, mm -hmm. it's it's unique. And to me, young people in the room makes the room different. Absolutely. Fresh air. Um, it's fresh. It's mm -hmm. new. Mm -hmm. And we got to understand when to give away. So I like to hear from the young people. And that you is know? what I love about yes. you. That's yes. That's what I love about you. And give them the way. We're going to jump the mic right there. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Nola Rowe Experience Podcast, created and hosted by Nola Rowe, produced by Take Action Media, theme song by Mr. Malek, sponsored by The Hills Restaurant, Brooklyn, New York. Listen to us on all podcast platforms and follow us on social media at the Nola Rowe Experience Podcast. Visit the Nola Rowe Experience Podcast.com and connect with us via email at talkwithnola at gmail.com.